Can I listen to your podcast? Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Middle School Music. I'm one of your hosts, Farhan Lalji, and with me is Dario Duet. Dario, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, I'm good. I can't believe uh, it's been, what, three weeks, I think, since we last recorded. Yeah. Um, well, we had a problem with the studio last week, unfortunately. But These things happen. Exactly. But we're alive and we're kicking and we're back for another episode. Indeed. And what's been gathering your attention in the music industry this week? Quite a lot. Uh, I had a funny experience. I went to go see the game in concert about two weeks ago um, with two friends and uh, he was performing El Chapo and uh, everyone was jumping up and down but like i'm quite chilled sometimes when i go to concerts and uh so he decided to stop point at me and he says, wait, wait, wait wait hold on rewind rewind so the game is performing everybody's jumping you're chilling out and the game sees you just chilling out and stops the concert yeah i don't know i don't know why or what like, there's a video of it and he points at me he says a couple things um and then he's like you so like basically implying that because you're being boring, you have to jump in front of everyone. <laughs> and uh, luckily, um, his cameraman came down, put his arm around me. I mean, my two friends thought it was hilarious and decided to film me instead. That is hilarious. Um, kind of everyone walks away from you. They're like, oh, oh. like coronavirus. Um, and uh, um, <laughs> This is kind of like the anti one less lonely girl, isn't it? <laughs> it's like one less lonely girl where Justin Bieber brings everybody up on stage and, you know, kind of every girl is very jealous of the girl that gets brought on stage. You were kind of the anti one less lonely girl. You were the guy who's like pointed out and everybody's like, oh, I'm glad I'm not him. Dude, I felt like dying. If, were, if the lights were on, I just would have been like a tomato. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so he made me jump and then he stopped and then made me jump again. Oh boy. And then luckily he got the crowd involved. Um, but hey, uh, it's pretty cool knowing that the game, I guess, knows <laughs> that's <laughs> that, hilarious. But I'm the kill vibe at his concert. <laughs> that was pretty, pretty hilarious. I mean, um, I, I you know, kind of joke. I've seen the video, and I know that he pointed out that you know, kind of, you're very English or something, not knowing about your South African roots. Yeah, I was like, I bet you're feeling very British right yeah. now. I'm like, I'm not even British, dude. <laughs> yeah. That was very funny. I wonder if that's something he does at every concert during that oh, song. Yeah. He's kind of spotting the guy. Or I wonder if that was just kind of like on the occasion he saw you and was like, wait a minute, I need to get this dude. I was also wondering. I'm not sure, actually. How was the rest of the concert anyway? Yeah, it was okay. I mean, I saw him two years ago. Um, he was a lot less energetic mm. and, and less fit, I'd say, um, to perform. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, and also his sets, because his first six songs were from Born to Rap. And I think that he did those because they're slower energy. Um, as you notice, he started doing the more up-tempo stuff. We're starting to interact with the crowd more um, and kind of take the pressure off him to have to like spit bar for bar. Um, I think, though, if you take into account the fact that Kobe Bryant just died yeah. in the past year, um, he lost Nipsey Hussle and his father. Um, when I last saw him, his father had just passed away. So, I mean, you never quite know what's going on in people's personal lives. Nonetheless, it was great to see him. Um, I always enjoy listening to his music and... Uh, I guess so. Uh, even though you were you were kind of caught in that moment, victimized, victimized, <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah. Um, you still kind of enjoyed the concert. So, considering also the the situation, and you know, I think that's a good point about all the turmoil in his personal life and the relationships he's had. So, totally, yeah, that was good. What about well, you? Yeah, I, you know, I'm uh, I'm more kind of looking forward to stuff. We've got uh, we're we're gonna go see Protege. I don't know if you know Protege. No, fully he's in. a reggae artist. Um, 
who who uh, who's kind of spotted with Chronix and a couple of other oh, kind cool. of new reggae artists. Uh, we have friends who are in Barbados, um, and I think because they're in Barbados, they saw and thought, "Hey, actually, we should go and see this guy." And so they've they've kind of bought tickets, and so we're going to go and see that. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, uh, but no other kind of concerts um, to think of that 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 I'm kind of looking forward to right now. Did you listen to see the weekend released a new track? I said I, I did. love it. It's on repeat. I did. Yeah. yeah, you know the last three tracks by the weekend have been, been banging. Pretty decent. Yeah, dude. So looking forward to an album. Hopefully, March March twentieth. Um, I th- I think um, what I like about it is very dark. It reminds yeah, totally. me of like horrorcore esque yeah. type music. Every song's a banger. I think this one's about his regret with his breakup with Bella Hadid. Ah. Um, a little bit of Three Six Mafia, or you know, kind of some of those kind of goodie mob type. Yeah, they they were quite dark. Totally. in that lyric and lyricism and and kind of the whole ethos around the song. I mean, even if you look at some of the song covers, it looks very very dark with a lot of blood around his mouth and stuff. So it's it's quite creepy. Very very cool. But that being said, new music. Um, I guess something which is pretty interesting to talk about is the tale of two Justins. Indeed, indeed. So, you know, I was, it's funny, I was catching up on uh, Graham Nor- the Graham Norton show uh, yesterday um, and Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick were on because they've got Trolls 2 coming on. That's the thing. <laughs> now, now, as the father of a, a, of a seven-year-old, I'm kind of watching Doolittle and seeing uh, trailers for tri- Trolls 2. Um, so it was kind of timely that, that Justin Timberlake was on Graham Norton talking about Trolls. And we've been talking about uh, Timberlake and, and uh, Justin Bieber uh, and the two Justins that way because Justin Bieber also has uh, a relatively new album now a couple weeks out with changes. Yeah, well. it's a week old. Um, how's about the... Let's, let's, let's dig in. Let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, 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 let's kind of compare the, the, the careers and we're going to do that. And then maybe if we've got some time towards the end, uh, we can talk about some new music and, and maybe some other stuff. Cool, let's do it. So Farhan, let me put something into perspective for you. Uh, I listened to Justin Bieber's Changes album released last week. It's on Valentine's Day. And uh, he's 25. He puts this album out. Um, I'll reserve judgment for now. But to put this into perspective, Justin Timberlake released Future Sex Love Sound in 2006 at 25 years old. And you think about the masterpiece that Future Sex Love Sound is and was and how it paved the way for the sound of pop, R&B, uh, funk and a variety of other genres for years to come and uh, you compare that to Bieber um, both I guess childhood stars um, it, it's quite an interesting thing to unpack yeah I mean I think the career trajectory and kind of how they began um, is an interesting kind of arc right to get to that point of being 25 26 and kind of releasing uh, a follow-up album to kind of pass success I mean I think the the interesting thing to note is um as as Justin Timberlake, Timberland uh, kind of Timberlake mentioned on uh, Graham Norton was that he started his career on um, Star Search, which was one of these uh, you know, kind of the the precursors to America's Got Talent, one of these talent shows. I think we've talked about in the past where even Beyonce and other famous celebrities, Christina Aguilera, other stars, kind of Britney got, Spears, Britney right? Spears as well, got her first kind of test or taste of stardom, right? Like they go up, they perform, it's a competition. He ended up losing in the final of this Star Search competition and then was part of a, a manufactured band in in sync, right? Following on from the likes of, you know, kind of New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys and all of that. In sync kind of gave him his first taste of professional stardom in that sense. You know, they did a lot of music together, a few albums. He wasn't the upfront 
star, even though he is probably, you know, the cutest in the boy band and he was, you know, kind of singing a lot of hooks and bridges, it was definitely a boy band. It was definitely not, you know, one person up front singing and the rest, you know, it wasn't like the Jackson Five where you had Michael and his brothers. It was definitely a collaborative effort. And I think that kind of starting point is very different when you have like a group of boys coming up together rather than in the Bieber case where he was really, you know, an isolated star on his own. Yeah, completely. I think what's uh, what's pretty interesting, though, is how when NSYNC broke up, Timberlake was kind of looking for his next step. And that was when Justified came to be. Mm. And I remember you telling me an interesting story this week uh, yeah. ab- about the origins of Justified. Yeah, I mean, if you've caught um, Hip Hop Evolutions, uh, there's an episode with um, with kind of... Uh, the Neptunes and talks a lot about Pharrell, talks a lot about, you know, how Pharrell got started. Um, and at one point, I think it's something like 43% of like radio hits were, were produced. 60%. That's crazy. Were produced by Pharrell and the Neptunes. Um, and one of those kind of big hits was Justified. You know, a lot of the songs on Justified from Senorita and others were Pharrell produced tracks. Um, and the interesting thing that, that I believe you're talking about is that originally Pharrell had Michael Jackson in mind for those songs. And Michael had, yeah, Michael had actually heard Super Thug by Noriega. And that was kind of one of the first um, produced, Neptune's produced hip hop bangers. And so he really liked the sound. So he asked Pharrell to write some music for him. So Pharrell did like Senorita and did like a lot of, you know, what he thought Michael should sound like in that kind of current age. Um, and Michael actually turned down the tracks. So at the same time, Pharrell was working with Justin Timberlake, and he actually provided him with some of those tracks, which went on to become kind of the heart and soul of, of the Justified album. Which was a fantastic album, and it really paved the way for Timberlake's career. I think he, post-Justified, went into acting, wanted to live a bit of a slower life. And uh, as acting took its, took its toll, he, I guess slowed down a bit and was evaluating options, was looking at a possible in-sync reunion, Mm -hmm. but found difficulty coming to terms with how they would rebrand themselves as a boy band going into the mid-2000s. The idea for Future Sex Love Sound, now that was interesting because the Timberland side of it, now just to to go back to Hip Hop Evolution, that great episode in the Neptunes, as you say, uh, Pharrell and and Timberland were friends. Yeah. And they were part of the whole Virginia Beach community. Uh, t- uh, the kind of Teddy Riley disciples. So Teddy Riley um, was, you know, a super producer in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, some of our listeners might know like Rex and Effects, and others might know like Heavy D and the Boys, and other stuff that Teddy Riley had produced. And Teddy Riley moved from New York to Virginia Beach, and he started holding talent competitions. And Pharrell and the Neptunes won one of those. Timbaland, as you were mentioning, was kind of friends with. Pharrell, uh, I believe they had like a, a hip hop group together that really didn't do anything because they realized actually they were more producers um, than they were artists. I mean, the Neptunes did have a couple of songs, and of course, Pharrell features quite heavily on a lot of the tracks, as does Timbaland on the tracks that he produces. But I think they realized actually they were more enablers and, and producers of that music. Yeah, you know, and and taking it to how Future Sex Love Sound was created. Mm. Because Timberla- Timberlake, Timberland, Timberlake, same yeah. thing. I mean, they work together and everything. Um, <laughs> the Tims. The, Tims. the Justins and the Tims. So, so uh, you know, Timberlake turned around to Timberland and said to him, well, you've produced four songs on Justified. So 
how's about you do five or more, five or six more Crimea Rivers, and yeah. we'll have a bang of an album, and the rest is history. Anyway, Tim Milan ended up producing ten tracks for wow. Future Sex Love Sound. They go to they go to the the new Thomas Crown Studios in Virginia Beach, and they start messing around with some beats and some ideas. And the first song to come out of this whole session is What Goes Around Comes Around. Oh, wow. Which has that banging music video with Scarlett Johansson. Now, what's crazy about Timberlake and the, the, the thought process behind Future Sex Love Sound, it's, a little, it's like very much Lil Wayne-esque. He didn't write down any lyrics uh, for album songs. And he really? improvised in the booth. And uh, there's a Rolling Stone interview from 2006 where... You know, they're into people are interviewed about this, and they talk about how they've heard stories about Jay Z and, and yeah. Biggie doing that, but but never a singer really doing that. Um, but Timberlake turns and says that he's more inspired by experiences of people around him, his personal relationships and history, and it's quite fascinating, particularly if you're contrasting that to how people operate today. Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, I have seen uh, the Rick Rubin uh, with Jay Z production of uh, Ninety Nine Problems. And that's a really epic kind of uh, showcase of the, the artistic journey where Jay-Z kind of goes into the booth and is just over and over again listening to the beat, not writing anything down, and goes into the moment. And, but he's, you can tell that he's calculating. You can tell that he's putting together his flows. You can tell that he's basically creating and narrating and, and drafting that story in his head. It sounds like when Timberlake goes into the album, uh, or into the recording studio. It's more like what's coming up, what's natural, what comes out there. And you can kind of tell in, in some of those songs with like bringing sexy back, right? Like that sounds like something, somebody's having a little bit of fun, somebody's kind of feeling the energy of the music and then comes out with something and says, well, that's it, that's the thing. And then kind of goes and flows off of that. It's really inter interesting to kind of compare that creative process. I'm glad you talk about Sexy Back because that was, uh, it's got a very like Prince-esque mm. funk style to it. Um, I hear Prince was a big inspiration for Timberlake on this album. Actually, two individuals, mostly, mostly Prince and Michael Jackson. Mm. So uh, Timberlake and Timberland, or the Tims, used to uh, refer to the album as Thriller 2006. Wow. And then when Timberlake was interviewed, uh, they said, where'd you come up with the name? Which I actually think Future Sex Love sounds a great name. Um, uh, he turned around and said, well, Purple Rain was already taken. Huh. I see Prince didn't take kindly to that. And actually on Timberland's Shock Value 1, which was released 2007, Timber Timberlake actually calls out Prince uh, subtly in one of the songs. Really? Yeah, about about uh, the, the, the kind response. of snap or the response to, to actually his form of appreciation for him. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I, I, you know, it's kind of mixed messages there, right? Like I can see because Prince was actually quite a benefactor to a lot of artists, right? Like whether you think about the early days of Sheila E or whether you think the later days of Lizzo, right? Like Prince was very kind of open to collaborating with young new artists. So it's really interesting to see that kind of Prince didn't take too kindly to that thought. It's it's um I actually have the new Beautiful Ones book yeah. by Prince, and he talks a lot. Um, the artist, the actual author who wrote the book with Prince talks a lot about how Prince kind of perceived Michael versus Prince and how people thought of Michael as kind of like magical. But Prince was like, no, I'm following rules here. Like I, the music, the beats, all of that kind of stuff are very kind of thoughtful, thought out. And I'm kind of thinking through kind of how stuff should work together. And it feels like that's something related to kind of Timbaland's production, but it doesn't really feel consistent to what Timberlake's talking about. Maybe there's something there in terms of why Prince didn't take too kindly to that kind of view, because 
Purple Rain and a lot of the Prince tracks and a lot of the Prince albums and songs were really well thought out, really calculated. You know, he was meticulous in every word, whereas it feels like Timberlake was spending a lot more time just coming up with the songs on the fly. So it's really interesting to see that kind of parallel and contrast between uh, an artist like Prince and a performer, I believe, like like Timberlake. Completely. I think, you know, if you look at the production side or just the the influence for that album, just think about it for a second. Mm -hmm. You have Michael Jackson, you have Prince, you have Pharrell and the Neptunes, as well as Timberland working on that album. You have Will I Am who worked on that album. True. Will I Am and Timberlake actually did four songs together. It was post Where Is the Love? And uh Damn Girl only was the only one which made the album, the other three didn't. And, and if you think about it, even in hindsight, looking at all the music that's produced between 2006 and today in 2020, songs that typically feature the Neptunes, Will I Am, Timberland, they're awesome. Yeah, totally. That was like really kind of a, a, a pop, hip hop, R&B kind of mashup in its real heyday, right? Like the, the beats, the sounds of hip hop. I think actually, if you go back to Rex and FX, the, the Teddy Riley rump shaker kind of song that uh, Pharrell and the Neptunes produced. To me, that's the kind of stake in the ground that really kind of um, signifies like the next 10 years of pop music, right? Like Rex and Effects rump shaker through Noriega's super thug to Pharrell and the Neptunes producing all of this catalog of like hip hop inspired pop, whether it's Britney Spears, whether it's Justin Timberlake, whether it's, you know, Jay-Z in the future, right? Like all of these artists kind of sprung off the back of that whole Teddy Riley inception, spotting kind of the Neptunes, the Neptunes getting their break, the Neptunes doing all of this production. And you really see it evolving and really kind of taking over pop music over that period of time. And, and, and that album actually on the 49th Grammy Awards hmm. got snubbed for album of the year. So Timberlake uh, actually was nominated for four awards and only won two. Mm -hmm. And the two which he won, uh, I think it was like best dance track or best R&B track or something weird. Um, he actually got beaten by the Dixie Chicks taking the long way. And uh, it's actually quite funny because I'm not sure if you've watched the Taylor Swift documentary, but the Dixie Chicks actually faced a lot of backlash politically in the United States for some of their comments. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they've they've been political and um, you know have been quite outspoken yeah. uh, on that side, um, which you can't really blame them. But I think kind of with their base of artists, it's very different to if a Jay Z or even a Pharrell kind of speaks out comparatively. Yeah, yeah. So let's you know, I personally think Future Sex Love Sound is an amazing album. Mm. Uh, it's probably, in my opinion, my favorite non hip hop album. I mean, it was definitely peak Justin Timberlake, I think, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that production with Timbaland, you know, kind of sexy back, all of that kind of sound. Um, you know, you kind of see Timbaland progress, or Timberlake, sorry, progress to suit and tie uh, and the 2020 experience with, and then having like Jay-Z and other artists and still kind of continuing to and work. Drake. And Drake, yeah, and continuing to work with Timbaland. But I definitely think you're right that Future Sex Love Sounds was definitely kind of pinnacle and peak Justin Timberlake. Um, I mean, he, you know, 2020 experience is a good album. I wouldn't say it's a great album. I, I would say it's probably the weakest of the justified future sex love sounds, you know, 2020 experience. That one's probably the weakest, but it did have a couple of standout tracks. Um, and then, you know, kind of man in the woods where he does something quite different and is experimenting. 
uh, with the style and, and a different kind of take. It's quite interesting to kind of like lead that into the comparison with the other Justin, you know, Justin uh, Bieber. Aaron Bieber. Aaron Bieber. And when you see kind of some of the commonality in terms of some of the production or in terms of some of the, you know, celebrities or some of the, the spots in terms of where Drake kind of does kind of work with both Justins or you see uh, Bieber doing 10,000 Hours really recently, which is a very different kind of Bieber song compared to a lot of his kind of historical albums. And to me, that's a real interesting kind of comparison to like Man in the Woods. Yeah, I think if you take a step back and look at Bieber's career, um, in particular, you know, My World had writing credits from the likes of Frank Ocean. And uh, is that really? Yep. Oh, I did not That's, know that. Okay. Did you, you didn't know that? I, okay. I, I've learned something on the fly here. Amazing. Okay. There is your Friday fun fact. There we go. Um, he also had, uh, you know, he had subsequently worked with Tricky Stewart and The Dream on Baby, which featured Ludacris. Yep. And, and don't forget, uh, you know, Bieber was signed by Usher. Yeah. Now you, you go past that and then you look at journals, which is, again, very R and Bieber. And then takes a break. I mean, we can tap to the personal life stuff just now, but sure. takes a break, goes into Purpose, but prior to Purpose releases, you know, where are you now with, with Skrillex and Diplo, and it's this post-EDM phase. Purpose, if you if you listen to it, and we were discussing this last week, yeah. uh, walking back from the, the studio, and if you listen to the album, it's, it's a great album, it's quite long, but it starts to have some inconsistencies towards the end. Uh, I, standout track for me there is actually the collaboration with Big Sean, but if you compare that to... Well, changes. Well, let's kind of take a take a, an even further step. Getting back. too excited. Yeah, yeah, and 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 kind of go back to origin stories, right? Like, you know, you mentioned kind of Usher, and it was really interesting to see in the the latest kind of YouTube documentary that Usher, you know, attended his wedding is still kind of a part of his life twenty years later or so on years later, um, you know, and I think that was a really interesting kind of parallel, right? Like where Timberlake kind of started and was kind of in this. Also, I mean, he did also start on Star Search. Sure, there might have been some discovery there in the same way that Bieber was on YouTube, right? And kind of producing and kind of making his own kind of, hey, I'm going to play my guitar and I'm going to sing some songs here and Scooter Brown and Usher are going to kind of find me and off I go to the races. Comparatively, when you have uh, Timberlake kind of in that safe spot of, hey, I'm in a group with, with a couple of other guys and we're all going to sing together and we're going to go on tour together. It was really interesting to see that, you know, Bieber is front and center on his own, you know, as the man at, you know, a very, very young age compared to Timberlake, who had kind of surrounded himself with a band or, or other fellow singers. And you can really see that kind of playing out in some of the personal stuff, as you kind of mentioned. Yeah, you're very right. The Timberlake was still trying to prove himself post-Justified. Uh, Bieber has proven himself. Purpose, I guess, is probably the equivalent of what Future Sex Love Sound was. Yeah, and that's really interesting because I think, you know, kind of the, the whole kind of first two albums, you know, of Bieber are probably very similar to what you'd experience as in sync albums, right? They were mm -hmm. heavily kind of produced by a label. You are going to get kind of the stuff that we're writing for you, you know, all of that kind of stuff, almost like bubblegum kind of pop that is going to be out there to make teenage girls scream, right? Whereas, you know, kind of purpose felt like a grown-up Bieber. It felt like, okay, this is something I want to control. I want to have more kind of control on my message. I want to have more control around who I use from a production perspective, almost in the same way that Justified and Future Sex Love Sounds gives kind of Timberlake that authority and power as well as an adult. Yeah, you know, purpose about being about redemption, 
Uh, somebody who is important to highlight, who's been integral to Bieber's career, is actually Pooh Bear. Yeah. Um, he was was critical to purpose and what made it a success. Funnily enough, last night I was going through um, the, the the kind of writing credits of Changes. Right. And Pooh Bear is actually featured on every track. But the experience with Changes is just so different. Yeah. That it's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, it just seems very repetitive. The songs don't seem to stick much. I know Bieber was in London here this week, this past week. and didn't seem to really care too much when he was having his private listening party. Mm. Uh, there's there, there are a couple standout tracks, you know, but they're feature tracks. Yeah. Post Malone. Quavo. Uh, Quavo. We've got um, Lil Dicky is a great track. Yes. But I mean, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, kind of the the Purpose album, definitely was was more bangers right like sorry and stuff like was definitely kind of like songs that you could hear in the car you would hear at the club you know the remixes all of that kind of stuff were it was felt like just a more fun album i think the thing with changes is it's a little bit more introspective it's a little bit more about relationships it's a little bit more of him kind of going in and talking about love and whatever else and i'm sure some of his personal stuff has kind of played a part in terms of the type of music he wanted to make at this point. Um, you know, it's not my favorite Bieber album. Um, you know, personally, you know, I, I I really digged Purpose. I think Purpose is a, a fun album. Um, I agree with you around some of the inconsistencies, but I think it's just like, you know, anytime I'm going to hear, is it too late now to say sorry, I'm, I am going to like bounce, <laughs> you know, a little bit. And I can't say the same you know, inten that being said, Intentions is a great track. I really, really am kind of liking Intentions. The video for Intentions was was really kind of well done as well, kind of following the theme of some of the other artists who've kind of taken to highlighting causes and giving away a lot of the money that mm. they would have otherwise used in production. I thought that was a great kind of idea for both kind of Quavo and Bieber, Bieber to kind of work with um, women who are making a difference in their communities. So I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, you know... The two Justins do um, do meet though, mm. because the the track changes on the album. If you actually start at the the first maybe ten seconds, actually sounds identical to Love Stoned, a uh, part of Love Stoned, which is on the Future Sex Love Sound album with Timberlake featuring Ti. Um, and that was actually what got me thinking about this sounds like a part of Future Sex Love Sound. And then when I started Googling and I realized, hey, Timberlake was 25 when he put that out. Bieber's 25 when he put this out. Wrote on some forums. People were quite interested in that, that thesis. And I thought, well, what, what better thing for, for us to discuss? Because despite the fact that they might both have the same first name, I yeah. think that their careers and their age is very significant. Um, particularly considering the, the landscape of the music industry has changed so much. I guess my question is, if you take Bieber, put him at the same time zone as Timberlake, ignore the fact that Timberlake exists at the time, think about how people put so much pride and effort into the production value behind music. The label machines worked with you. It was a well-executed machine. Um, but I haven't really watched Bieber's YouTube show, but I, do, I did watch 10 minutes of one of the episodes or listen to it, should I say? Well, they're all 10-minute episodes. Yeah, they're, okay. they're not very long. Okay, so. so one of the episodes. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I can't quite remember who it was that was interviewed. It might have been Scooter Braun who said, you know, he's earned his stripes. Um, he now has permission to play. And, uh, you know, this album was was uh, dedicated to, I think, his love for Hayley Baldwin. And yeah. it's very clear that 
He's going through a lot of personal challenges and continues to do so. Uh, whether it, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. It is, I mean, there are some really interesting parallels, right? Like, I mean, I think uh, Bieber is very outwards with his faith. Um, you know, he is very kind of expressive about what's going on in his life, um, and it does feel that in comparison, Timberlake is more kind of forced to kind of be. Um, kind of showcasing his personal life, but has chosen to kind of try to keep some of that kind of reserve, right? I don't know if you'd ever see a Justin Timberlake documentary in kind of the same way, right? I think he's kind of chosen that actually, my private life is my private life, and I'm gonna make music, I'm gonna do movies, I'm gonna do voices for trolls and whatever else, but I'm not necessarily going to kind of highlight my personal life, highlight my family, highlight my, my spouse in this situation, even though she also comes from the creative industry and the arts as well as, you know, uh, Haley Baldwin is is an up-and-coming model and, and artist herself, right? Um, and I think that's a really interesting contrast. I think going back to, you know, the ages kind of thing and around how Justified or, you know, the, the 2526 future sex love sounds comparatively to changes at this age, um, you know, I think... You know, men men grow right at that point. Like I think, you know, from you know, as the group is called, boys to men, right? And you can see for both of them, they went through very different boyhood experiences and have become men at these points in their lives. And I think their albums reflect that. I mean, I think the the purpose album was probably a transition album of the going from a boy to a man type thing. And it's an interesting kind of reflection now to see changes. It's kind of like Justin Bieber as a man having things that are a lot more personal, a lot more about his wife, a lot more about his life and relationships and reflecting. And maybe the touring stuff isn't necessarily going to reflect the actual artist journey of actually producing an album, writing an album, working with Pooh Bear and kind of looking back at your life and making music to reflect that. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, great point. Um, I don't know where we'll see Bieber kind of end up from here. I think, you know, he's just kind of having fun with it. Yeah. Um, I know what he's, he's going to have a change his world tour. I, I read an article last night, a review, which said that listening to changes is like having a, a, a one night stand without a climax. Oh boy. Um, so that's quite interesting. <laughs> Viewpoint. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the point about what happens in the future will be an interesting one. The immediate future, as you've said, is kind of the world tour. And I think while I'm curious to see how that world tour kind of goes, I think really the music is going to be the thing. I mean, I think Bieber, from a performance perspective, like doing 100 dates or whatever he's going to do in a world tour, I'm not sure if that's kind of setting him up for success. Whereas I think he enjoyed making the music. I think he enjoyed kind of doing the documentary. I think he enjoyed kind of getting married and doing all of that kind of stuff and living his life. And it'll be interesting to see, I think there's three buckets. There's his living, there's his making music, and then there's his promoting and touring. And I definitely think that's the thing that I kind of am concerned. And I, I really hope he takes his kind of self-care really properly because I think while he's enjoying his life right now and he's enjoying making music, I from what I've seen in the documentary, it feels like the taking the time to go on a tour and all of that takes a lot out of him physically and emotionally. So, you know, kind of looking out for Bieber, I hope he's okay on this next tour. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Eminem. Yeah, definitely. But like 25 years too early or 22 years too early. Uh, you know, he chooses to tour selectively. Yeah. Uh, also has a history of drug abuse. Um, and then you got guys like Drake... Yeah. who are just a machine. And I read an article this morning, what Universal Music's giving him an unlimited budget. Jeez. You know, to do what he needs. Uh, 
you know, he's their cash cow, I guess. Indeed, indeed. But it will be interesting. I mean, I think um, Timberlake also talked about kind of making new music, and I'm not sure how much more music he's got in him, right? Like, I mean, I think the, the 2020 experience, Man in the Woods, all of that kind of stuff felt like, okay, this is kind of the completion of the Justin Timberlake making music kind of cycle. Hopefully he can reinvent himself. I, for one, would love to, to hear some good new Justin Timberlake stuff. I know he did a song with, was it Meek Mills? Um, yeah, I believe, which is great. Yeah, it's a great track. I mean, think about it. AO Technology with yeah, 50 Cent. That's a great song, yeah. Um, but Believe with Meek Mill. Stuff which Timberlake touches. It's quite good. It, yeah, maybe he just needs to be a hook artist. Yeah. Uh, Adam Levine's actually tried in the past to do that. He did a song with Lil Wayne now, mm. Funeral, and My Life with 50 Cent and Eminem. Can't really capture it as well as Timberlake can. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see whether we've seen kind of peak Bieber, right? Like, I mean, we, I think we definitely saw like peak Timberlake with Future Sex Love Sense. Like that album is a great album, as you've said. And it, you know, kind of going from Justified to Future Sex Love Sounds, you know, and then kind of seeing that plateau going with 2020, Man in the Woods. I don't know if he can kind of come back to those kind of peaks. Um, that being said, kind of uh, comparing them to Eminem, where we saw kind of the latest Eminem does feel like a, a reinvigoration of them. So hopefully Timberlake can kind of follow some of that as well. But, but is it him... Or is it the fact that people's uh, listening tastes have changed? Because people use Timberland. I mean, Joyner Lucas has got Timberland production. Is it, there are a couple artists that, that people might not be aware of that actually have used Timberland production in the past recent years, and those songs don't necessarily yeah. succeed. Whereas the stuff which is like more generic, trappy, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, bubblegummy, yeah, yeah. seems to kind of work. And is that because... Now that the label machines are not as prominent and they've democratized access to content creation, that people are becoming almost lazy and less Ooh. selective in how they appreciate music? Well, it's interesting, right? It's kind of gone from like a collaboration kind of environment to uh, a kind of curated environment, right? Like you go from the label kind of assigning you producers and kind of songs to choosing one main kind of producer to kind of work with. And I think we've seen that with Bieber, like he continues to work with the same kind of production team. He's kind of re-caught up with Pooh Bear in this latest album. It'll be interesting to see whether either of them, both of them, neither of them, kind of follow on from what seems to be the trend now of curating and having various product production teams or kind of going out and finding your random producer with a SoundCloud account or whatever other kind of uh, technology account in order to find these beats, find these new producers, and kind of reincarnate themselves with new sounds. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if either of them can do that. Yeah, I mean, I think Post Malone actually. Oh yeah. Shouldn't be comparing people, but I think Post Malone is actually like way better. <laughs> well, in terms of like lack of a better word. Well, I think it's more like he's different, right? Like he goes out, he finds those kind of different beats. He will put Ozzy Osbourne on a song with him. He will kind of really take those risks. And I'm not sure if either of the Justins will, will be able to kind of take that same level of risk with production and, you know, kind of how they think about curating an album or how they think about putting together songs. Completely. I think 2006, if you look at it from a hip-hop perspective, was pretty poor. Mm. The fact that Timberlake could put something out at that time was awesome. Um, 2020, from a hip-hop perspective, yeah. Uh, right now... Doesn't feel great, but yeah. but hopefully we'll see how the rest of the year it's turns early out. Early to tell, uh, but I think with the weekend releasing March twentieth, yeah, yeah. something to look forward to. So let's wait and see. Great stuff.
Cool. What uh, what new music are you listening to this week? Well, well what, you have, what have you been listening huh. to? Well, I've been listening to the Changes album. Um, Intentions has been on, on Rewind for me. I've been, been playing that quite a bit. Um, and also with the documentary. Uh, the new music this week, uh, in terms of the weekend track, uh, as you mentioned, I've been listening to that that quite a bit um, as well. There's actually a new Kyle track. And so, yeah, with Rich the Kid. Yeah, with yeah, Rich the Kid. Cool. I, I, I found that fun. Um, and I'm listening to uh, some more Russ. Um, I've been picking up, uh, finally, after Dario's been badgering me for weeks to, to listen to Russ, uh, I finally did. And, and I have to say, it's a, it, he's a great artist. And, and I'm really enjoying his flows and his music. So I've been playing that quite a bit as well. I, uh, talking of Russ, I see he's got a new track with Trippy Red. Uh, That's the one I heard that one today uh-huh. as well. Yeah, it's a yeah. good track. Ru- Russ is uh, Russ is great. I think yeah. um, very slept on artist. Shake the snow globe. Yeah, was his most recent release. Guess what? With Rick Ross, standout track. Civil War, which is even a bonus track, is mm. great. What is one of the most hated people in hip hop for strange reasons, and we'll unpack that one day. Um, what of, else are you listening to, Dario? Uh, I mean, the weekend after hours, I've literally been looping that. It's mm. it's great. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I've kind of been a bit lost. It's it's funny. I've I've been actually listening to a lot of Ti. Really? His whole discography, Ti vs Tip. I like it how he talks about his tension with I think it's Atlantic Records and Leo Cohen or mm. Leo Cohen at yeah. the time. Um, Paper Trail was a was a career defining album for him in two thousand and eight, which had Live Your Life with Rihanna, Whatever You Like. It had Swagger Like Us with Lil Wayne and Jay Z. Yeah. Um, it had Standout Track with John Legend, Ludacris. A great album, very cohesive. I know that was um, that was a catalyst for for Eminem to produce Recovery. Um, kind of post that, his albums went a, a little like wonky. Yeah. Um, he's decided to go more. Um, kind of uh, to create more conscious hip hop um, in relation to tensions, racial tensions within the US. Yeah, uh, he's got a, his most recent release with 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 Royster Five Nine, who's actually released the allegory, which is which is pretty cool. Um, just kind of going through some of the new music, I see BTS has released a new song with Sia. They have a very interesting model. They've worked with Lauv Halsey. Yeah. They've worked with now Sia. Um, they're working with Logic. They, they really are straddling well between the US and Korea, bridging that gap and, and just cementing their position as, I mean, a, a real force to be reckoned with. I guess the big question is how do they make any money? Someone asks this. Oh, I mean, the there's con- so the, many of them, though. The, the concerts <laughs> have to be, the touring and all of that. Stood by like 20. But yeah. yeah, but comparatively, right? Like, I yeah. mean, when you're stadium touring or whatever on that, at that kind of level. But also, I think, I think they're, they're probably finding alternative revenue models. Um, as well from like either merchandising and other things. You know, BTS is definitely kind of the craze um, right now. Um, speaking of kind of future stuff uh, in that BTS bucket, um, the new James Bond album, uh, sorry, the new James Bond movie with Billie Eilish kind of doing the track, the the No Time to Die kind of song, a little bit let down, thought hopefully it could have been a little bit better. Bit Does, boring. Bit boring. It did feel a bit boring, but uh, hopefully the movie's pretty good. I'm looking forward to that. Um, there'll be a, a new Fast and the Furious. Those tend to have some some interesting kind of soundtracks as well. So I'm curious to see uh, what comes out in terms of music from the, the next kind of Fast and the Furious uh, as well. All right. Well, thanks for listening to season two, episode three of Middle School Music. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Middle School. Uh, at, that's at MDL SKL underscore music. 
Uh, I'm Farhan Lalji, and you can find me on Twitter at Farhan Lalji. Dario, where can the good listeners find you? Is that Farhan with an F or a PH? It's an F. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter on at Dario underscore Devet. And I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, thanks for listening, everybody. Cool. Ciao. Bye. Can I listen to your podcast?